turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I've got a special guest today. He's a former employee of ours about 10 and a half years ago. Chris Knight was uh, worked on our staff, and now you're back uh, here uh, at the station for, I think, the first time. Chris, welcome. That's right. To Heart of the City. Absolutely. And uh, you actually went to our old building, I guess, first, huh? Off memory. I went back to the Blanchard <laughs> building and was shocked by what I saw and no KGW branding anywhere. So yeah, yeah. I, I Ubered over here. No, I didn't. I made my way over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been in this facility for about four years. We're right across the street from King Street Station and CenturyLink Field and some beautiful mm. studios. So I'm glad that you made it. Well, uh, it's been ten and a half years since I've seen you, and uh, you are now the pastor at Stone Church in Auburn. Yep. And uh, so we want to talk about that, but uh, as I mentioned to you before we you came on, you know, Heart of the City is a program about pastors and ministry leaders, and we love to have them share, have you share your story of how you came to faith, because every one of us uh, who have received Jesus have a story, and uh, I love for the for pastors to share how they came to faith, and then out of that came a call uh, to ministry that uh, is always unique, and so. I'd love for you to share that today. You grew up in Auburn, mm-hmm. yeah. So how many how many years ago and uh, growing up, graduating from high school? What what's the time frame for all of that? In other words, I'm asking you how old you are, Chris. Thirty two at the moment. <laughs> I t- <laughs> okay. told someone else the other day I was twenty five, joking to a different ministry friend, and they said, "You are." I said, I just told you I had a nine-year-old. What? Like, <laughs> no, I might look it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 32, graduated from Auburn High School, go Trojans in 2005, and cruised off to Washington State University. And right upon graduating in 2009, my first job with a marketing degree was KGNW. And my, my late grandma and, and dad have always been listeners of the program and like every millennial, I didn't know what AM radio was, right. but I then learned, oh, this is an awesome ministry, and uh, did both business and ministry right out of college, and it was yeah. awesome. And uh, so Auburn was was the place of growing up, and now my wife and I come back. Well, very good. Well, what your your grandma obviously and your dad believers for a long time. I mean, oh, your yeah. dad's been a you know, known known the Lord. So tell me about growing up in a Christian family and what that was like for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we grew up going to church on Christmas and Easter. Okay. So we didn't grow up going to church a ton, although my dad did have a strong personal faith. Um, I would be just a learner of of the boomer generation, but I think there was something that faith did happen to be more personal at times. I've seen 
with my dad's story and, and some of his friends. And um, now my dad's an avid part of our current church and a faithful member and serves on so many teams and does so many things gener- generously, but did have a season there where him and my mom weren't uh, taking my brothers and I to church. Uh, but I, I would like to just say on the front end of my story that seeds, I personally just read through Mark chapters 3 and 4 where Jesus is teaching about seeds, can be so powerful. So if you're out there and you're sharing your faith like I pray to do every day, a seed, you never know what Jesus is going to do with it. Because mm-hmm. it, was, it was young life, there was a seed. It was uh, Grace Church in Auburn, there was a seed. It was my grandma's church, my grandma's Lutheran church in Edmonds. There were seeds planted, although... Uh, my blockhead didn't know it. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't run with those seeds uh, always, and then got off to my late high school years and my college years, and and uh, didn't pursue the Lord at all. Yeah. Well, so talk to me about that. Was what was, you know, you had some semblance of understanding the gospel, but it obviously wasn't didn't take uh, didn't take life in your heart yet. So, what was the process that brought you into? an understanding of Jesus and what he wanted to do in your life. Yeah, it's, it's, the seeds are so unique. We can't see into hearts or minds. I can't even look back and see into my heart and mind because there was something I knew about Jesus that warmed me, that soothed me, that I loved when I would hear it or engage it. Uh, but the choking, did it land on the, the pavement? You just read that in Mark 3 and 4, and you're saying uh, it's, it's difficult for us to perceive on this side of eternity. Needless to say, I went off to college— and uh, tried to pursue abundant life that Jesus offered. I think we try to pursue things that look and are advertised as life. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was partying. It was, uh, it was enjoyment through sports, uh, even though it wasn't collegiate. It was intramural sports. It was watching sports. It was getting wrapped up in, this was in 05 and 06, so a few, win, a few wins for the Washington State football team back then. But it was wrapped up in that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, Talk about depression after the Seattle Supersonics left. You know, that type of thing was what consumed my life. And I thought I was finding satisfaction and joy. And it wasn't till my second year in college that it was apparent to me I wasn't finding that here. The door I was knocking on was not going to give me abundant life. I was now experiencing depression, although around me would look like the opposite, depending on who you asked. And got invited to a Bible study that was hosted and ran by Campus Crusade for Christ at Washington State. Now the ministry is called Crew, and they had a fraternity and sorority Bible study, uh, and they extended invitations to, they tried to, all the fraternities and sororities, and I obviously didn't know anything about it as a partying student until I got an invite from one of my fraternity members. And uh, he didn't end up coming back to this Bible study, but uh, he invited me to the Bible study and said, hey, this, this girl in my class invited me. Let's go to this Bible study. Right. I truly was interested. I can hindsight recall 13 years ago, uh, I was interested in that seed growing. I was interested in finding life. Hmm. But he was interested in something separate and never came back. That girl that extended him that invitation, once again, talk about seeds, ended up being a bridesmaid in our wedding. Wow. Because my wife was at this Bible study. Uh, so this was my sophomore year at school, went to this Bible study, and the gentleman who led it, Steve Yen, who's still the director of crew at Washington State, he just, he was an ex-fraternity dude as well, and he said, hey, you know, I don't remember what he said, but let's grab lunch. And I, I recalled what happened in the meeting. There was life, there was college students that looked like me, acted like me, but there was something different. We're in the world, but not of the world. And I was transformed. I, I, was, I was enticed by what I saw through them because it was, of course, the Holy Spirit living in them. But it was the gospel that was communicated to me in that lunch, uh, Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, that all the seeds from my childhood came up and, and life sprouted and I became a born-again believer. So I called my grandma within you know months and my late grandma who's since passed and she was so thrilled and huh. um, we had such a strong bond after that because she was a, a, a single mom, a single grandma for me and um, she loved to see that me and then my two brothers as well all fell passionately in love with the Lord. And um, I have a feeling you had a praying grandma. Yeah. Too. I mean, part yeah. of the seeds planted were grandma absolutely <laughs> through prayer, planting the Lord, <laughs> whatever it takes. And now I'd like <laughs> to know? think that her lenses, well, it's hopeful. Hopefully, she didn't see everything that was going on over there at Washington <laughs> State. Right. But she was praying. Yeah. And knew. Yeah. I have a feeling probably grandma knew. <laughs> Not everything, but, but, you know, grandma, praying grandmas have an intuition many, many times yep. about what's going on, and sometimes they don't want to know, you know, but, but praise God for praying grandmas. And so out of that, you come to faith. So what changes in your behavior? Well, so Campus Crusade's amazing. The advice given to me, I said to my good friend who ended up being one of my uh, groomsmen at my wedding, I said, Okay, great. Well, now do I move in with some Christians? And although that's not wrong for many people, he said to me, no, you stay put in your fraternity and you now be a light to them. I'll be with you. I'll come with you and we'll help shepherd and disciple them. So I stayed there my next two years in the fraternity, although that was hard because, like I said, you have to be careful. Uh, Bad character corrupts good judgment. You have to be careful to not get sucked up. But I think my discipler just knew um, for me and so that's what I did. I turned around and I was a missionary to them and tried to share the love of Christ with them. And uh, instantly the Lord was able to break in me uh, addictions and alcohol and, and some of my patterns with the opposite gender. And But w- there was one addiction I recall I couldn't kick, and that was me and some buddies were addicted to chewing tobacco. It, started, it was fun in the early days, but two years in, you have to hindsight look, oh, there was an addiction going on. Mm. Since we were close to Idaho, it was, it was really cheap due to taxes and well, I was, snowmo- I was snowboarding with a friend eight, ten months into being a born-again believer, maybe a year, and he said to me, oh, you're still doing that, you know? Just, you should kick that. I mean, it was not profound. He did not quote scripture. He was just a friend encouraging me. It's not good for you. And I remember I chucked it right off the uh, chairlift. I did a different sin. I polluted. Yeah, um, but yeah, what I, yeah. there was a profound freedom that just came from him walking with me. First John 1, it got it brought out into the light. I just kicked it. So there was many things that, it, that is a long transformation process, and there are many things that it's instant. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, there was a girl in your Bible study mm. when you first got there. So uh, what happened there? Yeah, I thought I was uh, skilled with the opposite gender, so I'd lead myself to believe. Until I walked into this, I got invited into the leadership meeting the following semester. And Christian women, there's, there's something about when God has his hand on a man or a woman where you're dignified, you're, um, you're confident about who Christ is in your life, you're assured, you're not attempting to fake yourself. So I walked into this room and I was like, I am intimidated by the six, seven, or eight women in this room. <laughs> the gentlemen were nice to me. I remember that. I remember it was a warm room, but I remember saying, I'm not just going to flirt my way into this one. And there was there a hand go. of the Lord yeah. that was on me that was like, no. But I did fancy one of, the, one of the females. And she was leading that year. They said, let's try to get into every fraternity and sorority, which is up in the 50s, and just give them an invitation to our Bible study. To, we called it Fuel. Um, give them an invitation at their dinner. 
because you can do that in the fraternities. You can come and give an announcement if you're in a different fraternity. So uh, this gal said, yeah, I'll head that up this year. I'm super excited. Back in 2006, Facebook was just on the verge of hitting every campus. So Washington State had Facebook. So she said, I'll leverage Facebook because it was only a university thing to get us into the, into the sororities. And the gentleman who brought me to Christ said, all right, we need a, a guy to also do this for the fraternities. You guys will work as a team. And when you line it up, uh, you know, ev- other dudes, other gals will come in and they'll do the presentations. But you guys just line it up, kind of head it up. And I didn't know anyone. And he said, all right, we need a guy to do that. And I jumped a little bit too much. Because I saw the lady who who also signed up, <laughs> I, I didn't read the situation right, and I said, yeah, "Yeah, I'll do it." And everyone looked at me in the room like, "What are the motives with this new guy?" Right, you know? right. But I did. I jumped in, and we we were uh, a team. We had to get into all the fraternities and sororities, and I don't know why, but a few months later, we started dating. I don't know how she she saw something. <laughs> she saw something. Yeah. Uh, she saw a potential. Yeah. And so we've been married ten years. Back in August, we just. And her name is Megan. Yep. Well, congratulations. Exactly. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move forward. Then uh, you finish uh, you finish college. So then you get married after school. Yep. Yeah, we All got right. married in two thousand nine, right when we graduated. Right. And, and the week after, I started here. Okay. As I interviewed somewhat with you, but more with the sales manager. Right. Uh, before I went on my honeymoon. And we lined it up that it would be the first day back. That's right. So I, I had a little suntan. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so you're here for a couple years, and then what happens? Yeah, we were serving on a church that we loved and building relationship. And through a, a network and an opportunity, we went down to San Diego and served as kind of a youth pastor college age. Uh, ended up doing a lot of worship uh, for five years. And so we went down there and... Um, from our Campus Crusade background, there was a lot of support raising for mission trips and things of that, things of that nature. This this role at the at this church involved, you know, like half of my salary came from support raising. So we sacrificed and did that, and it was it was a great. So I don't want to advertise it as oh so glamorous. Just wait for a church to call you, because um, ministry I think is called is a calling on many people's lives, but they're asking how how am I going to get into ministry? And we heard the Lord saying, go down to this church, but there was only such so much funds. Um, and so we partnered with an organization you're probably familiar with called Reliant. It used to be called Great Commission Ministries. Mm-hmm. They help you fundraise. And so we were on staff at this church, but half our salary came from fundraising. And I only, I only share that to say we really sacrificed seven and a half years ago. We went and shared it with other people, and they got excited and gave. And so we went down there, though, and they ended up taking care of our, our entire salary as the years went on and things like that. And the Lord put it in our hearts coming home one winter uh, for Christmas, going back to our hometown. My wife's from neighboring city, Federal Way, next to Auburn, and we just felt a unique brokenness. We'd each left our hometowns so many years before, and we felt a brokenness for the area. And that sort of sat inside of us, and it blossomed over some time to where we said, no, we need to share this with someone. And our network that we were a part of was about church planting and would mention it often. We were invited to leadership meetings where we were praying for church plants and experiencing it and hitting our late 20s, and, and the Lord just started to say, yeah, this is something I'm doing. Well, we're talking to Chris Knight. <clears throat> he is the uh, the teaching pastor at Stone Church in Auburn. And uh, Chris, let's backtrack a little bit when you were talking about feeling a call. How, kind of flesh that out a little bit. 
amplify on that when uh, that's a term that I don't know any other profession, if you will, uses that or uh, uses that term. I felt do you feel called to work at Amazon? I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, but but people say I felt called to ministry. So kind of flesh that out a little bit. How how did that happen for you? Ephesians four one says for all believers to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And I think there's a similarity between all believers that the author is intending and Jesus is intending for us all to walk in this new life where we're following Jesus, we're submitting our life to him, and he's inviting us like the early disciples. We're just walking with Jesus. And so there's an extent where perhaps I mean or people mean that, where it's I'm walking hand in hand with Jesus and he's revealing to me the paths of life. As the psalmist said, he reveals to us the path of life. There's an element, though, where I think it is deeper when I refer to a calling where Tim Keller says there's three things for a guy to know, or perhaps if you would, a gal, uh, they've been called to the ministry, especially uh, that of, of church planting, he says. One, there's this burden inside, there's this passion inside the man that he can't perhaps push aside that keeps coming up, that is from the Lord, a personal desire and passion. Second, he says there's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be a place, whether it's a geographic place or there's a group of people that have been kind of brought up, maybe they're young adults or whatever the case may be. Third, he says there's external affirmation. And that one I would really love to emphasize because I think a lot of, if I could say this to some of the younger guys, they feel the first two. Definite, there's a passion. They feel there's a passion. Second, there's even an opportunity. Now, sometimes there can be division in that opportunity. Maybe they're going to take the young adults or this thing. or, But they have one of those two or both of them. The external affirmation is so important, especially for younger men, because for mine, there was a waiting period when I brought it to my elders, my pastors, and the leadership team of the church I was at. They said, awesome. This is a good thing. We sense this is from the Lord. This is exciting. There was no sin in my life. I had been a faithful leader, things of this nature. Uh, And the lead pastor took me aside. He said, I don't think it's now. And so it was a year waiting for my wife and I. And since we're from the Pacific Northwest, there was a church uh, group, not even a denomination, some churches getting together saying, we want a church planted in Auburn. And one of the pastors calls me out of the blue and says, I want to let you know pastors are praying about the city of Auburn. And there's even a dollar amount that we want to give, a substantial dollar amount. Because he had heard a a private conversation six months earlier. He said, I'm sensing from the Lord you're going to plant the church in Auburn. And I hadn't told him. So just like this seed had been sown where he and I had a private conversation, I went and told my leadership team that. And they said, wow, this is really the Lord. And kind of that opportunity thing. Mm -hmm. So the external affirmation, what I mean by that is other pastors, perhaps your church that you're a part of saying, we see this, we're going to weigh it according to Scripture and, and hopefully the qualifications for elder, um, however that's viewed perhaps in your, in your stream. But that's what they did for me. And then I went through a two-year training course uh, that's through our network. We're part mm-hmm. of a network called Advance, which is kind of a global partnership of churches. They have a two-year training uh, program for pastors, and I went through it. And finishing it was right around the timeline of how the church kind of started. And how's Megan feeling about all this at the time? Do you, are, are she excited? Is she apprehensive? What's going on? And you can't separate the wife. And exactly. I don't know what Tim Keller would say about that, but that should be number four. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> she was uh, excited about it. She felt like coming from Federal Way, uh, if you're from the South Sound, these are neighboring cities. She said, I never even knew what was in Auburn until 
you know, her and I dated and got married and, and we, she would visit Auburn, she said, there's a brokenness that I want the gospel to shine as light in. And we were a part of a, a church that we were so excited about and passionate about down in San Diego. We said, we want to bring that health and life in, in the same missional mindset we had back in college to this city. And any, any reading of scripture will lead you to believe that God is using his children to shine light into dark places. Amen. So Stone Church starts, and you're the teaching pastor. Mm-hmm. There's a few other folks on staff. How mm-hmm. does that develop then? How many years has this been going on? Picking up on the story down in San Diego, we did a two-year thing, two-year training residency. That probably started, it's crazy to believe, four or five years ago. The church itself, we all land. There was a core team that came from San Diego, 13 adults, landed in the beautiful Pacific Northwest in November, three years ago. We had our first public thing in January at the Auburn Avenue Theater. Uh, For various reasons, there's no kids ministry. That wasn't going to be our long-term place, but it was an awesome event. You get get a lot of look-inners, people encouraging you, but you don't know what is going to be the flock yet. So we had a core. We did that January event. We did a February event thinking, well, let's see what is going on connecting these two events. They were just events. It wasn't yet church. It was just, we had worship and it looked like church to a non-believer, but we weren't saying we're yet a a public advertised church. This was a stone church uh, kind of vision meeting, info meeting. And on the third time we did that, we said, this is ready. We have enough, uh, 30 people saying we want to do this with you. Mm -hmm. So we started in March, 2017. So 30 people, you're, um, you're not going to have a youth ministry, a children's ministry, a ministry for seniors and all that sort of thing because it's a, it's a small group of people. But yet uh, when the Lord affirms that and the churches around you are saying, yes, you know, go, then exactly. you, you go, don't yeah. you? And you, you're obedient. Yep. Yep. So what's the vision for the future then? What, what do you uh, – what are your – We are you... probably had 30 if you count kids. We probably had 40. Uh-huh. Those first that first month, but then it kind of settles into what it actually is, and it probably dipped down even lower. On Sunday last week, I didn't get yesterday's numbers, but we were 94. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you look over at two and a half years, and the Lord builds his church, and that doesn't always mean numerically. He builds people into the image of Jesus, Second mm-hmm. Corinthians tells us. So that's the goal. Uh, our vision is to see more and more people in Auburn, and of course we do mean the surrounding cities, more and more people in Auburn meet Jesus— and be added to his family. So the family of God is global. Uh, the family of God is not just Stone Church, 94 people, praise the Lord. We want people to experience Jesus, and then if they are in a different city, or if they have connections to a different church, we want them just plugged into the family of God. That's our desire. So in the city of Auburn, we're connected with the other pastors, and my wife and I were out to dinner the other night in Tacoma, met a great couple, and, and they were interested in church, and we'd gone before in the past, these type of things. And I recommended a friend of mine's church in Tacoma. Because we want people plugged into the family of God, belonging before they believe, where they can experience the gospel before perhaps God's transformed their heart. You know, it's interesting for those of us that have been in church life for a long time, uh, sometimes people tend to think of churches as being competitors. But I have to say, most pastors that I meet never view their congregation as a as a comp- competition to another com- congregation there's usually the, just that affinity of i want god's kingdom to grow 
and you know and, and may God's will be done as far as who goes to what mm-hmm. fellowship and who they identify with. Yeah. Isn't that true? Well, you read it in the Psalms that says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It took me about three months of perhaps thinking I was building something to realize the church of God, he's building it on Peter, of course, the rock, and then he builds it on men and women's backs, but it's only built by the Lord. So you could try to play that striving after the wind game. We have learned at Stone, let's be passionate about what we do. Let's Let's have great worship and let's work hard at my sermon but he's going to build his church. Well, Chris, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to know more about Stone Church, you can go to stoneauburn.com. That's S-T-O-N-E, auburn.com, and uh, visit their website, learn about service times, location, and all that sort of thing. If you want to hear the podcasts of all of the interviews that I do on Heart of the City, you can go to thewordseattle.com. You'll see my smiling face under local programs and click on that, and that'll take you to Heart of the City podcast. Chris, thank you for joining me today. God bless. Greatest radio station in Seattle. This 820 AM, The Word, special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmstead. 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com.